Welcome to Truth Pod, the podcast that proclaims the truth of God's Word without shame or apprehension, where the Bible is the last word on any subject. I'm Russell, your host. Welcome back to Truth Pod, and thank you for downloading this podcast. I hope that you will find it a blessing to your Christian walk. Every week, I try to thank all my listeners for taking out time from their busy schedules to download my podcast. This week, I'd like to take a moment and thank my wife for uploading these podcasts. She's more technical savvy than I am. Uh, She has more patience about doing it. She understands cutting and and uh, splicing together, uh, you know, and all that good junk and jargon that you may put in there. So uh, I, I just want to say thank you, Tracy, for, for doing this for me each week and, um, you know, taking time out of your busy schedule to do so. So thank you, dear. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm sure the listeners do, too, because uh, I'm sure it's easier to listen to this way. Anyway, each week, for the past several weeks, I have been selecting a song about the cross and what Jesus did for us there. You will notice that the majority of writers stay true to the narrative, without exaggeration. Usually you can find a lot of theology in what they write. Today is no exception. I've chosen the song, The Power of the Cross, by Keith Getty and Stuart Townsend. Oh, to see the dawn of the darkest day, Christ on the road to Calvary, tried by sinful men, torn and beaten then, nailed to a cross of wood, this the power of the cross, Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath, we stand forgiven at the cross. Oh, to see the pain written on your face, bearing the awesome weight of sin, Every bitter thought, every evil deed, crowning the blood-stained brow, this is the power of the cross. Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath, we stand forgiven at the cross. Now the daylight flees, now the ground beneath quakes as the maker bows his head. Curtain torn in two, dead are raised to life, finished the victory cry, This, the power of the cross, Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath, we stand forgiven at the cross. Oh, to see my name written in the wounds, for through your suffering I am free, death is crushed to death, life is mine to live, won through your your selfless love, this, the power of the cross. Son of God, slain for us, what a love, what a cost. We stand forgiven at the cross. There are words in this song directly taken from the text we are reading today. If you can, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for uh, saving us by your choice, by your wonderful grace. Thank you that it is by grace that we are saved and not through our own ability, our own work. Because, Father, we come up short. I would come up short. I know that. I can speak for myself. I would come up short. So I thank you for your grace that we're saved. 
that you choose to save us and that Jesus paid the price to make that choice possible. Thank you for loving us, providing for us, meeting our needs. Father, thank you for all the people who listen to this podcast. I appreciate them. Thank you uh, for the ability to do a podcast. May your great name be glorified. In Jesus' name, Father, amen. Road to Golgotha. That's the name of the series. I started way back in February of this year. I am at the final two studies in this series. We began this journey on the back of a donkey, entering Jerusalem on its busiest festival, the Passover. There were thousands gathered together to celebrate that special day. No one had any idea what was about to happen. All of the foreshadowing was done. This Passover, the Lamb of God would be the sacrifice. Not only the sacrifice, but the final sacrifice. No longer would little lambs be required as offerings for the sins of man, as they had been since the fall of man. When it came to sin, none of these sacrificial lambs made any difference. Mankind continued to become more and more depraved. These sacrifices could not do what was necessary to deliver people from their sins. All of the depravity of mankind would be on display at this Passover. It is clearly seen in how they abused the Son of God without any shame or conviction, acting as if they were in a parade, not realizing they were heading towards judgment. We take up from where we left off last week. Jesus died. It was more than any of his followers could believe. But I'll talk about that next week. This week, I want to talk about some strange things that happened the moment that life left his body. First of all, let me uh, uh, talk just briefly about something I mentioned just a second ago. Jesus died. It was official. He was actually dead on the cross. When they viewed him after he had breathed his last, they were looking at a corpse. They were looking at a dead man. So Jesus was officially dead. This week, we want to talk about the events that took place the moment he died. And, you know, and then then it happened in procession. Let's turn to the scriptures. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 51 through 54, um, it says this, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, This was the Son of God. 
Now in Mark 15, 37 and 38, it says this, And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now these are strange happenings indeed. I mean, matter of fact, they're they're so strange that some people don't like talking about it. Some ministers don't want to touch on it. Some will even just say, well, we don't understand what's happening here, so we're not going to talk about it. But I'm not going to be that way. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be I'm going to talk about them because I believe they're literal events. I don't believe these are just allegories or metaphors. I, I don't believe this is just some some type of vision or a dream, uh, something that the writer come up with to, uh, you know, shock and awe kind of thing. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm going to I'm going to speak to it. I'm going to talk about it because they're literal events of something of things that occurred when the Son of God died. When he breathed his last breath on the cross. You know, it wasn't as if just anyone else died. Because when the other two guys died on the cross, no big deal. No great impression. Nothing. You know, not even a, a whimper. But when the Son of God died, something happened. It was as if all creation felt it. It was as if shockwaves were sent out from him, you know, reverberating throughout the cosmos. And, and granted, I'm using a bit of hyperbole here, uh, but it is, I believe, an acknowledgement of the Son of God. All right. What we have just read is very strange, and I've mentioned that, especially when you get to the parts about dead people walking around. Now, there you want to kind of add that D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D. If you're a, you know, old-time uh, TV watcher, you'll remember Twilight Zone had that that little theme. Um, you know, so this is, this is definitely strange, okay? But really, hasn't Jesus whole ministry had a lot of strange things occurring about every time he did something, okay? Uh, think about it. Over 15,000 people gathered on a hillside to hear him speak. They had traveled many miles just to hear him. Hours later, he's prompted by his disciples, hey, uh, master, uh, it's getting late, their own stomachs were probably rumbling, so, you know, hey, we should probably send these people home because they're they're hungry and uh, they don't have anything to eat, and, you know. And Jesus says, why send them home? Let's feed them. That right there would blow their minds because they're like, Whoa, what, what, what? I'm, I'm hungry, okay? I don't have anything to eat. Uh, how am I going to feed them? And so... Uh, Jesus says, uh, what do you have? You know, and, and uh, I think it was Andrew. He said, Master, there's a little boy here. He has five loaves and uh, a few fish, you know, but what's that with so many people? 
Yes, it's good for the little boy. He'll eat it. Now, when he says five loaves, you and I think a loaf of bread, something like we buy at the store. But these loaves are talking about are just small biscuits. You know, small biscuits and the fish are like sardines. You know, a little boy and his lunch. It wouldn't He wouldn't be carrying around, you know, a bunch of food like this out in the wilderness. And so, uh, you know, Jesus says, well, make everyone sit down in companies of 50, you know, and then, you know, we'll, we'll feed them. And, uh, well, okay, so what's the first thing Jesus does? He starts feeding himself. No, nope, that's not it. Uh, he starts passing out the food. Nope, that's not it. The first thing he does is thanks God. He thanks God for what they're about to eat. He gives thanks. All right, and then after he does, so he starts distributing the food to the disciples who pass it on to everyone. Wow, now that's strange. That's a strange event occurring. All right, so um, he he does the first, right, catering service, okay? You can call it, uh, what, Galilee Go, I don't know, uh, whatever you want to come up with. And uh, he feeds over 5,000, it says 5,000 men besides women and children. So we, we probably figure there was about 15,000 people gathered here. Uh, it It's an impossible task that Christ made possible. Okay. If you were to ask me, how does a combustion, combustion engine works in an automobile? I'd have to look at you dumbfounded. I mean, I understand that there's pistons and that there's rods and levers moving. I understand that there is uh, gasoline involved because I've put enough in vehicles. Uh, I understand, you know, you've got an ignition that sparks it and, you know, but I could not tell you how all that actually comes together and works. But it doesn't matter to me. I just simply believe it and go with it. Okay. And just because I don't understand what's taking place doesn't scare me away from what's happening, the vehicle. I still go with the vehicle. I get in my vehicle and I, I drive it each and every day. All right. So just because it's strange doesn't mean we should shy away from it or not think about it. The miraculous is often without scientific, empirical, or historical verification. But to deny the miraculous on such grounds is to deny the very existence of God and his Holy Spirit. There are many instances of divine intervention for which there are no reasonable empirical explanations, but they are accepted by reliable testimony. So let's proceed with our study and take a close look at what is happening. Matthew describes the events of Jesus' death in the terms of supernatural events. Okay? The temple, number one, the temple curtain is torn in two. Number two, the earth shakes. There's an earthquake. Number three, rocks are split. 
Number four, tombs are open. Number five, saints are raised from the tombs and go into the city where they are seen by many. Okay, so we split it up here into five events taking place after he breathed his last breath, when he died. This is taken from uh, Dake's Annotated Study Bible. There were two veils, one at the entrance of the holy place and the other between this and the Holy of Holies, into which the high priest alone went once a year to atone for the sins of the people. Hebrews 9, 2-9, they were 60 feet high from ceiling to the floor. 60 feet high veils that were hung in the tabernacle. This veil kept everyone out of the Holy of Holies, a, pl a place that only the high priest could go into once a year uh, to sacrifice for his sin and that of the people. It was such a dreadful place to enter because if he did it in an unworthy manner, he could die. They tied a rope around his leg with bells attached to it. If it stopped ringing, it meant he wasn't moving, and they'd have to pull him out, out of the Holy of Holies without risking their own lives. They couldn't run in there and grab him and bring him out. They had to drag him out if he... Uh, you know, was actually slain in there uh, because he was unworthy to perform his duties. Now, we're talking about the veil of the temple being torn. Somewhere I had read that this veil of the temple was so thick that 12 yoke of oxen could not break it, tear it apart, pulling from end to end, you know, so pulling on each end, 12 yoke of oxen, pulling on this veil. It was so thick that it could not be just torn apart by 12 yoke of oxen. Now, I don't know how true that is. That's just something I read somewhere, but it, it, does, it is food for thought. Um, it was a strange happening indeed that this veil that prevented the entrance of man from coming into the Holy of Holies. Inside this Holy of Holies was the Ark of Covenant. Okay, Inside this Holy of Holies was the mercy seat that was on top of the Ark of, Coven of the Covenant. And uh, it was very precious, very special. And uh, it was as if when this, this veil was ripped, from the top to the bottom, it was as if God himself grabbed it and tore it. In doing so, he was saying, now everyone can come freely into my presence because of the death of my son. Black, white, Asian, Latino. Okay, I'm trying to cover all the races. I know I'm not going to. Everyone, all right, could come in. Okay, gay, transgender, prostitutes, pornographers, adulterers, drunkards, drug addicts, gamblers, cheaters, everyone, everyone. You get what I'm saying? Now, oh man, you know, I, I'm thinking about this. This is just, 
God is making all access available. It's like he's put up big signs that says, come on in, everyone. I don't care if you're in rags. I don't care if you're dressed like the, the uh, most famous person in Hollywood or on Wall Street. However you may look, everyone is welcome into my presence. Everyone. Romans puts it this way. <clears throat> Romans, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> in Romans 10, 13, from the English Standard Version, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Wow. See, I know I might have ruffled some feathers when I, when I mentioned that black people could come in or that gays could come in or, you know, that even lazy people can come in. Whoever, whoever could come in, whosoever will, that shall call upon the name of the Lord. You know, that's what it says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Hebrews 10, 19, and 20 says this in the NIV. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, there's the access. There's the access is by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. He is the one who made it possible. When he breathed his last, his blood had been shed, the, court, the curtain had been torn, and now access is granted to all. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Oh, he's so good. He's so amazing, so gracious, so kind, you know. So if God's not setting up barriers, we shouldn't be setting up barriers. We should not be trying to put a barrier around something God is trying to tear down and say, hey, let everyone in. Let everyone in. Let them all come in. If they've been backslidden for years and they want to come back in, let them in. If they made a mess of their lives and they ruined everyone else's life, let them come in. If they want to come in, let them come in, he's saying. The curtain is torn down. Don't let it stand anymore. It is no longer here. Everyone is welcome into my presence. Praise the Lord, right? Okay, the second event to take place is an earthquake. I got this from the, the Barnes uh, notes. It says, and the earth did quake. Or shook. Earthquakes are violent convulsions of the ground caused commonly by confined and rarefied air. This was probably, however, a miraculous convulsion of the earth. In attestation of the truth that the sufferer was the Messiah, the Son of God, and as an exhibition of wrath at the crimes of those who put him to death, it was not confined to Judea, but was felt in other countries. It is mentioned by Roman writers. And then I got this next statement from the BE series commentaries. Uh, it says this, The earthquake reminds us of what happened at Mount Sinai when God gave the law of Moses. 
Exodus 19.16, the earthquake at Calvary signified the demands of the law had been met and the curse of the law forever abolished. Would you expect that the death of Jesus would happen without acknowledgement from heaven? Now, this is my thoughts. Would you expect that the death of Jesus would happen without any acknowledgement from heaven? When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by John, it was acknowledged by the Heavenly Father. Matthew 3, 16-17 says this, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. When Jesus was born, angels, angels came and announced his birth. So, I mean, is it even reasonable to think that the Son of God would die without any acknowledgement from heaven. For whatever reason this earthquake took place, it left up to the inter- or is left up to the interpretation of the reader. One thing is sure though, it would be impossible to ignore. I've never been in an earthquake, okay, of a very large magnitude. I mean I've felt tremors and you know I've I've you know I've felt those, but I've never been in any large earthquake, so it'd be hard to ignore an earthquake. When it happens, I hear people get pretty scared because, you know, everything is shaken violently, and that's what's taking place here, you know, and when everybody starts experiencing an earthquake or, you know, they know it's about to happen, they start looking for a place of safety. Think about it. That place of safety is Jesus. Now, the third thing that's mentioned is the rocks split. Jameson Faust had this to say about the rocks. And the rocks rent, were rent, the physical creation, thus sublimely proclaiming at the bidding of its maker, the concussion which at that moment was taking place in the moral world at the most critical moment in its of its history, Extraordinary rents and fissures have been observed in the rocks near this spot. Gill's exposition of the Bible had this to say, And the rocks rent, which were near Mount Calvary and about Jerusalem. And as we are told, the clefts are to be seen to this day, and which appear to be supernatural. This was also a token of divine wrath and fury in Nahum that's found in Nahum uh, 1 and 5. You can read about uh, about this type of judgment. And a rebuke of the stupidity and hardness of the Jews, who were unmoved when rocks were rent asunder, being hardened than they, being harder than they, and an emblem of the future conversion of many through the powerful ministry of the word. And in the consequence of Christ's death, when hearts as hard as rocks were broken pieces, stony hearts taken away, and hearts of flesh given, of which the three thousand being pricked to the heart under Peter's sermon were an instance. So they're kind of relating to the idea that these these rocks being torn in two as if 
they were re, uh, they were like the stone stony hearts of the Jews. They represented the stony hearts of the Jews being broken or shattered. And then the third thing that's talked about here in these strange happenings that happened at the cross when Jesus breathed his last, the graves were opened. We look at death as being final, as if there is no more to be said. We see our loved ones in a casket, no life left in, in them. Then we see them lowered into the ground and tons of dirt cover over them. This part of scripture should remind us that even the grave is subject to him. The graves are subject to him. Now, the graves are being opened here. Now, um, I don't know exactly what area they're talking about. It just says that there were graves that were opened um, outside of Jerusalem. Just outside the city, um, below the Mount of Olives there, there is a lot of graves. Okay, but these are in like stone caskets that are set above, above the ground. Okay, and I was told that they had moved the cemetery, that they had moved one of the cemeteries, and that's where they had left the caskets, the stone caskets, or placed them there at these caskets. And, um, you know, and, and so people come by and they visit these graves and they place rocks, just little rock or whatever, and they place these rocks on these, on these caskets. And um, some of them had a bunch of rocks on them, some not so many. But each time somebody would visit, they would lay a rock on top of that casket. Here it says the graves were opened. You know, there's a future event that talks about graves being opened. It talks about when Jesus comes back. When Jesus comes back in the future, and that could be any day now, I say in the future, the future is any time ahead of now, right? So um, when Jesus comes back, it says that the dead in Christ will rise first. Let me give you the scripture. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wow. Graves are subject to him. Everything is subject to him. Then it says, the fifth thing that it talks about is that in these lists of strange happenings is that saints are raised. These bodies made part of the multitude of captives that Christ captured from Satan in the underworld of departed spirits and which he took captive with him when he ascended on high. If you want to read what Jesus did, it's in Ephesians 4, 8 through 10. It talks about when he died, he went into the Lord parts of the earth and he ministered to the spirits that were taken captive by force. And that's really, it's a long story. But when the Bible talks about hell before Christ came, there's two compartments of hell, one for 
the wicked sinners lost and another place called paradise where the saints were kept. Now, you'll remember that the thief on the cross asked Jesus to remember him when he came into his kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. It is believed that uh, that that's the paradise that, that Jesus was referring to on the cross. So that when he died, he went and ministered to these these men and women that were being held captive against their will in paradise. Okay, and no longer does anyone go to paradise when they when they die as a believer. They go to heaven immediately to be with Christ. Because Paul said, um, you know, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, so now when Christians die, they no longer go there, as I said, and um, they go they go to heaven and be with him. Now the lost, they still go to where the wicked dead go and uh, have always went. Okay, so this is just, this is believed to be that um, these saints are, are being brought back to life and be, they will be taken to heaven with Christ, but they're being seen here in the city after Christ is raised from the dead. They're being seen here in the city talking to people. Now that would be strange, now, because we get this view of, uh, you know, of uh, the dead being raised in their zombies. Okay, um, as I'm recording this right now, it's nearing Halloween, so uh, you know, so I mean, you know, so it's uh, you hear a lot of that talk, zombies and monsters and ghouls and stuff, but it's nothing like that. It's nothing like that. These are saints. That means these are sons and daughters of the living God. And what are they talking about? They're talking about the living God. That's what they're talking about. Now, I know I'm, I'm speculating, but I'd bet you uh, dollars to donuts, you know, as they say, that that's what the conversation was about. Um, they, they could not have come out of the grave before Christ was resurrected because he was the first resurrection. Okay, Jesus was the first one to be raised from the dead eternally. Now, Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he died again. Other resurrections had taken place, but they died again. Jesus would be raised and not die again. Okay, um, anyway, so these are, you know, strange events taking place. They are uh, up for, you know, interpretation, um, you know, they're, they're interesting things to talk about. If you're a Bible, um, if you're a Bible enthusiast, you like talking about things like this because, you know, you just don't read things like this every day. They just don't happen, you know, um, but that's okay because God still does the impossibles the impossible. So it don't matter. Uh, as I said at the beginning, all of Jesus' ministry was, was uh, filled with strange happenings. Blind men could see. <coughs> Lepers were healed in his presence. I mean, you know, so, and the dead were raised. I mean, come on, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Martha said, Lord, 
smells by now, which uh, you kind of get a chuckle <coughs> when you read it um, because there's so much truth in it. It's real life is what it's saying, you know. And Jesus says, roll the stone away. And when they did, he says, Lazarus, come out of there. And he does. He comes walking out of the grave. Amazing. Because God is amazing. All right. Next week, we'll do the final study in the series on the road to Golgotha. Let me end this podcast by asking you this question. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If not, you can. He loves you and wants you to be a part of his family. The first thing for you to do is admit you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself. Second, believe that he died for you and ask him to forgive your sins. Third, thank him for saving you and commit to living the rest of your life for him. If you have any questions or prayer requests, just email me at truthpod at yahoo.com.